and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Joe Dyson, media manager in the Southeast, and today I'll be embarking on a truly exciting adventure. Last time in my beginner's guide to winter walking, I tackled freezing temperatures, hail and rain when I walked in the Lake District in the midst of winter. This time, I'll be heading to the Cornish coast in July, so the weather won't be a problem. This time, my foe will be gravity. Welcome to a beginner's guide to bikepacking. In my day job, I spend a lot of time at my laptop. So whenever I get the opportunity to make one of these podcasts, I jump at the chance. I'm no stranger to two wheels as I commute to and from work by bike and enjoy riding my road bike for fitness. But bikepacking is a form of cycling I've never encountered before. So to get an understanding of what bikepacking actually is, I called on the services of bikepacking enthusiast, writer, and self-confessed map nerd, Catherine Moore. We caught up over Zoom. Bikepacking has been this real buzzword over the last couple of years, but essentially what it is, is a cycling version of backpacking. So you take all your equipment with you. It means that you can make the adventure that much longer because you're not just limited to one day. I'm really keen to find out where we'll be going on this route. I think you're in for a massive treat. This part of North Cornwall is absolutely stunning. And I think it's the perfect introduction to bikepacking for you. So I'm very excited. Wonderful. Thanks for the lift. I've just got off the bus in Crackington Haven and it is beautiful. Nestled within green cliff faces, there's cute little cottages coming out of the landscape, a lovely cafe, sweet little pub. The National Trust looks after huge swathes of the countryside all around here. There is a girl with two bikes. Catherine? Hi, Joe. How are you doing? So these are the bikes? Yeah, so this bike that you're going to be riding is actually a gravel bike. If you look closely, there's actually a few differences compared to a road bike. It is a drop bar bike, but there's actually much wider tyres on there. So that's going to be not only a bit more comfortable, but also really good for different terrains. So we might do a little bit of off-road. You've got a full complement of bikepacking bags on there too. So why are we not using panniers? Modern bikepacking bags, rather than being mounted to a rack, they're actually strapped directly to the bike under the seat post. They're in between the frame. There's everything from the camping gear that we're going to need tonight. The small tent, sleeping bag, mats, all of your clothing that you might need, all of your spares and tools. So that's essentially what bikepacking is all about, really. It's taking everything that you'll need with you and exploring the countryside or wherever you've chosen. In this case, this stunning piece of coastline. Can you tell me a little bit more about the route? Yeah, so I knew there was a few things that you wanted to get out of this trip. Firstly, being two days and also visiting Hawker's Hut, which is the National Trust's smallest property. And then spending the last night just on the Devon border at Peppercombe. Okay, this is the route that I've chosen for us. We're going to take the road west out of Crackington Haven turn onto National Cycle Route 3 all the way along to Bude, where we're going to be spending the night at the campsite. So should we go? Let's do it. 
Oh, good. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> here we go. We're going right here. Oh my gosh, Catherine, look what's ahead. That is steep. Straight into it with a pretty tasty <laughs> climb out of Crackington Haven. Up, up, up. Gravel bikes do have so many more gears than a road bike, but it's the difference between your biggest and your smallest gear that comes in most handy. A nice small gear that you'll be able to pedal up the really steep hills with. Yeah. But also a decent gear at the other end, so that when you're on the flat, you can really zoom along. Oh, you're getting out the saddle, so am well. I. <laughs> yeah, straight out the saddle. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a wall of tarmac. So when you look at an aerial map and you're like, oh, okay, that's just a few miles. <laughs> and what you're not taking into account is the uphill. Oh. Oh. Oh, Joe, I think this is the top. Really? Oh, yes. Oh. This way, look. Oh, oh my goodness. Woo. What a view. Tiny glimmer of the blue sea in the background. So that must be Crackington Haven that we're looking back at. Yeah. It's looking like the next few miles are relatively flat. And then soon we'll rejoin the coast road. And then down into Millock Haven. Right, are you ready to go? Absolutely. It's quite nice to be pedalling along the tops now where it's a lot more gentle and flat. I would love to know what got you into bikepacking because obviously this is very much your world, isn't it? So the first time I actually went on a proper bikepacking trip, it was a very last minute three-day trip up to the Cairngorms in Scotland, but I'd never actually ridden a gravel bike before, much like you, straight into it. And I was actually a bit terrified because one of the only crashes that I'd had on my road bike was on a bit of gravel. We went straight onto this gravel track and I was petrified. But you know, after three days of riding these tracks, which weren't easy either, I was just in love with it. And the exploration and the camping. I remember at the time it being pretty hard work, but yeah. when you do it totally under your own steam and fix your own mechanicals and cook your own food, it's really an incredible feeling. How do you think it compares to sort of hiking and other outdoor activities? Well, I think the thing for me about bikepacking is you can just travel so much further compared to when you're on foot doing like a multi-day tour. Yeah. You can experience many more different diverse landscapes. I feel like you can get really into nature much more than you can. For example, if you're taking motorised transport. Yeah. And what you've just described just makes me feel a huge sense of freedom. Absolutely. Oh, here we go. First downhill. <laughs> Look at this ribbon of tarmac. This is the descent we are treated to for all of that climbing. Woo! Oh my God! Catherine's just left me for dust. I think she's a bit braver on the downhill than I am. I've definitely got some of the brakes on. Wow. So we're coming down a 30% hill. Oh my gosh, Joe, this is so steep. 
<laughs> Woo! And it's a little bit gravelly on this corner. Be careful not to slip on that. Oh, wow. This is just <laughs> incredible. Wow. Oh, this is gorgeous. Look at this. So we're in Millhook now. Millhook. The whole yes. beach is just these huge boulders and pebbles and then out onto that low shore rocky part. It's just fabulously empty as well, isn't it? By the look of this sign, we might even see a seal pop. I would love to see some seals and chuffs. That's a bird that I haven't been able to see yet around Cornwall. It kind of looks like a crow, but it has a orangey red beak and legs. I would love to see one. Let's go and see if we can find any seals. Just one beach hut and then a little tiny little old rowing boat. It's very rustic, isn't it? Certainly not what I expected. Joe, come and have a look at this. I think this is going to blow your mind. Just look up at that cliff. It's like some sort of modern art or something, isn't it? It's beautiful. Those zigzags in the rock, that must be millions of years of compression and rock changing to get those patterns. And they're all in different colours, sort of rusty reds to blacks and greys. And a few little nest sites in there, I think, too. Oh, can you spot some nest sites? Well, only where there's some bird poop. Ah, is that the <laughs> tell, giveaway? Tell sign, yeah. <laughs> Look, you can see the coastal path weaving its oh, way down yes. there with the walkers up on the right there. Crikey. Well. Is that what we're cycling up? <laughs> Let's see. Push, push. It's like a skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about you. I'd love to stay here and explore, but we have plenty to crack on with. So I think we should get back on the bike, Joe, and tackle this hill. OK, let's get it over and done with. <laughs> Oh Lord, it's another 30 percenter, Joe. <laughs> oh my God. That's it, out the saddle, looking great. How are the legs, Joe? Feeling it everywhere. Where are you feeling it? In my lungs. <laughs> that burning oh. sensation. You've got to embrace the burn. Yeah. <coughs> oh. Oh, Joe. This is another corker, isn't it? Oh, I'm loving these tree tunnels, though. The trees are sort of linking above us. It's providing some really lovely shade on this big climb. Catherine, I'm just hoping a car doesn't come the other way. Oh, there's a car. Did you hear her, Catherine? The yes. worst is yet to come. Oh, nothing like support from the locals. Surely not. Oh, go on, keep going. I wouldn't fancy doing this on a road bike with many fewer gears. Oh, oh I'm just gonna pause on this bend. Oh, for a second. Oh. 
so Catherine and I are just pausing now, only for a second to let the cars go by, not to catch our breath yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, wow. I've never quite seen a switchback that steep. What is a switchback? You get them a lot in the Alps and you see them on TV in the Tour de France and all that sort of thing, but we do actually have a fair few of them in the UK. Right, let's tackle the rest of this hill. Come on, Joe. We oh use my those gears. God! That's it, I can see the top. Woo! Oh, Joe, look at this. Spectacular. So, wow. this must be that viewpoint that I saw on the map. Looking out at the huge stretch of coastline, and because there's so many coves, it's almost like worlds worlds within worlds, sort of pockets. You can even see some surfers down there. Oh yes, yes, you're right, just waiting for a wave. Can you hear that above us? I think that's a skylark. Apparently what the males do as a sort of courtship ritual is they fly up as high as they can whilst making this really elaborate song to try and impress the females. Sounds like a lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> Just buy them a drink instead. <laughs> Seems to be some people playing chess. Hi guys, are you playing chess in the back of a car? That's the perfect pass-surf activities. I'm guessing from your accents that you're not from round here. No, we are both from Italy. Firstly, I moved to London to work in the film industry and then after a few years, I had enough <laughs> of the city to crowd it. Yeah, now I live here. Yeah. The quality of life is much better. You can surf. You have nature. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, well, look, we'll leave you in peace for your calming game of chess. And, uh, yeah, I hope the surf picks up this afternoon. Thanks. See you later. Ciao. Enjoy. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> so, Catherine, do you want to lead the way to Widmouth Bay? Let's do it. I think... It's all downhill. Well, but, I, know, think, I think you might have said that last famous time. Famous last <laughs> yeah. So it's been a few miles since our last stopping point with that incredible view. And now we are actually at Widmouth Bay. And here it's a completely different vibe. It's like it's come out of Baywatch or something, <laughs> isn't it? There are families on a day out, people sunbathing. Lookout hearts, four by fours, and there are surfers literally everywhere. Can I help you ladies? Yeah, we were just admiring the lifeguard hut. Are you part of that? Yeah, I'm a volunteer lifeguard and uh, a member of Butte Surf Life Saving Club. The lifeguard hut here looks like it's come straight out of Baywatch. I'd love to know more about that. The lifeguard side of stuff in Cornwall was actually brought here by an Australian. There was Australian airmen based at St Morgan Airport near Newquay during the war. They'd seen all the beaches and when they went back to Australia, they reported about the beaches in Cornwall. Alan Kennedy, who was a prime mover in life-saving in Australia, came to the UK in 1951 and was transferred to the Australian High Commission as a dairy officer. When he first came to Cornwall, there was a good surf coming in at Summerleys Beach. He went down and went straight in the water for a body surf. He was amazed at the poor quality of the equipment the lifeguards had, 
the abilities of the lifeguards, the fitness of the lifeguards. He totally understood why there were so many tragedies and so many drownings. The equipment they had was really poor and it's quite possible that the person that was carrying out the rescue might end up getting in trouble himself. It was very primitive. Their training was mostly carried out in pools or lakes. Anybody came from a lake or a pool and tried to swim in the sea and there's a four or five foot surf running, they would really struggle. It's, it's completely different. Whereas Alan Kennedy was totally aware of the dangers of swimming in the sea from his experience and knowledge from Australia. The Australian, they had the reel and line, the drum with 400 metres of line on, with a belt on the end that the rescuer would put on. He would swim out to the patient with four other people working on the reel and the line. Before that, they would have a life ring with maybe 70 metres of rope on it, and half the time they couldn't get to the patient, they'd run out of line. Well, when Alan came to Bude, he'd arranged for the, the reel and line and a rescue ski to be sent to Bude. With this equipment, he trained the local youth club members. The 12 members took their bronze award. At the time, the only people to gain the bronze medallion outside of Australia and on completion of gaining the award, they all set up Butte Surf Life Saving Club. Alan traveled to California, got involved in trying to set up clubs there. So if Alan Kennedy hadn't come to Butte, all the other clubs in this country, uh, France, Spain, and the Northern Hemisphere would not, would not be in place now. So a lot of lives have now been saved at sea as a result of Alan Kennedy all those years ago bringing over the Life Saving Club. It's gotta be thousands. Yeah. You know. Horace, thank you so much. I'm so pleased we bumped into you. It's been fascinating. Good. Thank Have you. a lovely holiday. Thank, thank you so Bye. much. So we've just cycled the three miles from the surfer's paradise of Widmouth Bay and we're just coming into the most picturesque seaside town of Bude. So what's the plan for this evening now? Well, I think we should probably think about putting the bikes here, locking up, and then going to find somewhere to eat. Yeah. And then setting up camp for the night and getting some decent rest, because we've got to do this all again tomorrow. I can see some eateries over there, so let's go and check them out. Proper seaside town, all the buckets and spades, cobbled little streets, gorgeous old buildings. They're almost like stable blocks. And all these little shops. Coffee, pasties. Right on the canal edge. Oh, look at those ahead. <gasps> the pedalos. Oh, Joe. <laughs> oh, this looks really interesting. A 1940s mini tea room encounter. Should we go and have a look? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Come into the kitchen front and come and take a seat. Oh, thank oh, you very thank much. Thank you very much. It is beautiful in here. There's bunting, lanterns, pottery. What exactly does the kitchen front do? The kitchen front is really a 1940s ethos. We serve tea and cake made with original World War II recipes. Probably the best thing is if I give you a little taster of everything. I'm just gonna bring your cakes over. Thank you. Here you go, girls. Thank you very much. 
Is this Victoria sponge? Yes, it is. This recipe is actually called the one egg sponge from the Ministry of Food. And we use a dried egg, exactly as they would have done back then. The texture's a bit different, isn't it? Sugar would have been on ration. What you can taste in that, and the reason it's a little bit more sticky, is because it has golden syrup in it. Oh, oh, right! Here we have a lovely slice of apricot tart. Hmm. Mm. This is actually called mock apricot tart. The filling is actually grated carrot with almond essence and then a tablespoon of jam. Oh, right, that's give it, give that it sweetness. sweetness. Claire, this concept, how does it go down with the locals? Um, well, to be honest, we're here because of the locals. It's just such a wonderful lifestyle here. Literally, the kids skateboard to school. Everybody surfs right up until the sun's setting and then sit down and chill and have a couple of drinks on the beach. Um, we, we have that sort of Californian, uh, Australian lifestyle here, and it's just incredible. OK, girls, so I'll leave you to enjoy your cakes and um, I'll see you in a little bit. Oh, thank you. Where do we start? Yeah. I might try some of this. We'd planned to set up the tents this evening, but the campsite is currently closed, so we've checked into a hotel, which is still an acceptable way to bikepack, right? Oh, absolutely. They call it credit card touring. <laughs> but yeah, I think a great way to start for a beginner especially. So we're now down at the beach. Should we do what the locals do and enjoy a drink and that sunset? Oh, yeah. So, Joe, your first day of bikepacking, what were your first impressions? I've loved it. The views, the adrenaline of the downhill, although I did put my brakes on at points. <laughs> and, and just we've met some amazing people as well, haven't we? Yeah, apart from the strenuous 30% gradient uphill, I'd say it's all been... Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's it. It's just as much as everything off the bike as it is on. What would you like to toast to, Joe? Um, let's toast to tomorrow's hills being smaller and less frequent. That might be wishful thinking, but go on, <laughs> let's have a toast. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Trust podcast. We'll be back in two weeks' time with part two of this bike packing adventure. Follow or subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss out. Until then, remember that National Trust has a huge resource of other podcasts that you can find and listen to at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. We'd also like to thank Rally for their help making this episode. I'll be back in a fortnight, but for now, from me, Joe Dyson, goodbye. <laughs>